Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of Ringside Fracas. I'm your host, Naeem, and today I'm joined by Mark. Mark, how are you, bro? I'm good, thank you. Um, I mean, it's great to have such a, a great... Um, a great guest but i'll let you go ahead and introduce him yeah like like mark said look i told you we're, we're bringing special episodes on wednesday we had um former two-time british middleweight champion denzel bentley on and today we have an even better guest what a what a way to sort of uh carry on this week because of course we had bad news with we were kind of expecting furious to happen this week so we were going to be talking about that but what better than to talk about um Gilles Zhang and who better than to do it with uh terry lane Gilles Zhang's co-manager and also owner of uh, let's get on box promotions terry thank you so much for joining us today hey thank you mark and i am uh look forward to, to talking about boxing with you guys and uh yeah you're following out there so yeah let's get into it what do you guys want to where do you guys want to go first <laughs> I, I, I think the best way to first start this is obviously to introduce you. I've, I've done my research. I know who you are before, but for our listeners that may not be included into boxing, it, to talk more about you. Um, so how did you sort of find your way into boxing initially and becoming a boxing manager? Well, my um, it was kind of a family business thing. I mean, my father was a uh, former fighter himself. Um, uh, he made it to the 1960 Olympic trials, didn't make the team. Uh, but he wanted to stay in boxing. Um, he had a short pro career, wanted to stay in boxing, became a referee. And uh, so, gosh, for my entire life, I've been to more fights than I have, uh, than I can remember. I mean, out of the womb, I was going to boxing shows. And so it just was something I was very passionate about. My brother and I, who's now my partner, we just went to so many, so many of these events and uh, some of my fondest memories. And so right after, actually right during college, we were kind of setting up a small kind of mom and pop shop, a boxing promotional company, let's get it on promotions. And uh, uh, that I kind of self-identify as more of a promoter. I kind of cut my teeth that way, you know, doing kind of small to medium sized shows and uh, having a little bit of success in my hometown arena, Nevada. Um, and uh, just boxing has led me to interesting 
uh, relationships, interesting parts of the world. Uh, and so kind of here I am now. That's the short story. Yeah, uh, speaking about your father, I mean, I've, I've done my research. So your father was a um, NCAA, NCAA uh, welterweight champion back in the, mm. I think it was the 60s. But also what I found interesting that he started, he was doing boxing while being in the Marines. Am I correct, right? Yeah, absolutely correct. That's where he, he was a fan of boxing before he, it, it, it was kind of a family controversy. Uh, his, his father wasn't super happy that he went to the Marine Corps instead of the University of Michigan, which, where he was supposed to go study you know, farming or something. Um, but he was a fan of boxing and um, it's just been a passion of his. And then he tried it out in the Marine Corps, kind of took to it um, and uh, read an article in a magazine about this coach called Jimmy Olivas, who is my dad's boxing coach in the University of Nevada, Reno. Uh, that's when boxing was an NCAA sport. Actually, I think the year or around the time my dad won the title is when um, they had a death in the ring, unfortunately. And uh, ever since then, it's become what we call a club sport. It's not officially sanctioned by the colleges and, you know, the NCAA, but there still is a, uh, a presence of it. But yeah, he started in the Marine Corps and he had like 11 fights. And I think I, I, I he he's one of the only few people he did his refereeing and boxing career actually overlapped a little bit. So very interesting stuff, but he got to referee some of his heroes and some of the big fights through uh, beginning in the sixties, all the way up, you know, through the, uh, the late nineties. And one thing I wanted to ask about um, your father, of course, he was involved in probably one of the most famous fights in boxing. I think it's yeah. one of the fights that transcends the sport. Like if you took, if you ask someone who knows nothing about boxing, you know, they probably would remember that moment where, he was called up to referee the Evander Holyfield versus Mike Tyson 2 rematch. And that was where, obviously, Mike Tyson bit uh, Evander Holyfield's ear. What was your reaction and his reaction? Because I'm sure, like, when he's being a referee, there's so much that he has to worry about. And, of course, because it's such a big, high-profile fight, there's even more pressure on him to sort of, you know, do his best job. But I'm sure he wasn't expecting something like that. Like, what was the reaction? Well, kind of you, you know, it's, it's funny. I mean, he it was obviously kind of shocking. But um, it's something that, to use his words, um, it happened during the heat of battle. I mean, look, I mean, you know, there, there are two guys fighting in there and it was kind of gruesome and shocking, but it actually wasn't the craziest thing that he saw as a referee in the ring. Um, uh, the, I think the rematch between Lennox Lewis and Oliver McCall, where Oliver McCall had a nervous breakdown. Yeah. My dad did that fight too. And actually that was in, I think, close proximity of the, of the bite fight. Um, my dad got all the weird ones. He got all of the weird <laughs> ones, but, um, I, I don't know, just as a, I was, a, I believe in middle school at the time, I and mean, there was a rumor that I had Holyfield's ear in my freezer at home. And, you know, like, I, I, it was, it was just a, a, a weird time, but it's so funny because he, it led to different things. He got like a TV show because of this incident. He wrote a book because of this incident. Uh, he, he was the claymation, you know, celebrity deathmatch re referee. It just kind of threw our lives into this weird world, even though he had been a prominent referee and a prominent member of like the, the legal community where I'm, I was from. But yeah, this just took things to a weird place, but it was a shocking event. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't around during that time. I'm only 23. So when I sort of grew up watching boxing, that was one of the bigger moments that before I even got involved with watching the sport properly, my, my dad, you know, they told me about that event and they told me you know you saw the pictures of it and that was like the most uh watched uh thing that comes out of boxing like i said it's one of those moments that kind of transcends the sport for better or for worse but yeah <laughs> yeah but speaking about you obviously you started um uh mark you, you started let's get on promotions with uh your brother tommy lane um and then obviously you got into the uh business of uh, uh managing um 
how did you come across when and how did you come across Jile Zhang? What did you first? What were your first impressions of him? Um, well, so it, it actually goes way back. It, it, it's, it's a story that's taken a lot of twists and turns. I did start out as a promoter of Zhang Jue. We started the new company with a partner and things did not go well with this partner. And in boxing, it's easy to get involved with some pretty, pretty bad people. But um, we started a new company called Dynasty Boxing. Basically, I had me and my brother both had contacts in mainland China uh, in the casinos in Macau. And this is when uh, the Chinese government was sort of, sort of allowing their elite amateurs to try professional boxing and they needed people to help transit to help make this transition because boxing in China is still very much in its early stages, even now, like they really, it's just not like it is in the UK or the US or anything. So they needed, they wanted Western people to help transition these high level amateurs. Uh, one of the first ones was, was Zhu Shiming, but he ended up going with, um, with top rank. Zhang Jilei and Meng Feng Long, who's my other client, um, we basically helped just started up a new promotional company to turn him pro. Uh, I, we did his first pro debut is in almost 10 years ago. It was in August of 2014 in, in Nevada where I'm from. And um, yeah, the part, the partnership went sour. It was kind of a toxic situation and they were given bad advice by a pretty bad individual. And that's why John Jalei had so much of his career where no one saw his fights. He wasn't given the proper publicity. And we were out of the picture. I mean, we, we were out of the picture. It, it got so bad that we reconnected with them and they reached out to us and they said, we need help. Like, what do we do? We're going to either retire or we need someone to like really help us. And they had no man. They had no proper representation. They had a promotional contract with a not proper promoter. We entered the picture and kind of cleaned up a mess, but there was an existing promotional company with another entity. So we had to be advisors or managers. We couldn't be a promoter because they already technically had one, but um, so that's the that's the kind of long story. I got the short story of a, of a very long kind of story that, you know, so I met him and helped bring him into the pro ranks back in 2014. But it wasn't until 2019 that they were stuck in a really toxic place and they needed some help. And they they I, I guess we made a good impression on on uh, on him and them back in the early days in the 2013, 2014. And uh, they trusted us and they said, hey, can you help out? And we were you know able to help. And I think we've done a pretty good job considering yeah, there's always um you always hear stories in boxing where you've got like talented boxers who, because of certain other issues outside of their control, you know, legal or whatnot, that mm. it kind of does derail or hamper their career. For example, you've got um Jaron Ennis, who's obviously very talented boxer involved in a legal situation, which yeah. is keeping him outside of the sport. So it's great to see that at least someone like Zhang has got that opportunity to where he is now, where we're able to see him and all his talents and all and because he's putting on some of the most entertaining fights that yeah. we're seeing. Um, what were your first thoughts though when you first watched him? Uh, like you saw his first fight, like what did you think? Did you think like we've got a gem here? What, what, what was it about him that like sort of stood out to you? Well, I mean, it, if we knew that he was older. I mean, because again, he it wasn't really all his choice of when he turned pro. He had gone, he had medaled in the Beijing Games, and then he didn't medal in in London, and that was 2012. I think he did another big high profile tournament in Asia in 2013, but that is when, again, he had the blessing from the government there to turn pro. Um, and the footage I saw of him, I mean, here's, here's a big guy who can punch, but when I met him and I saw how he liked to work and his work ethic, I thought like, look, yeah, there's some, he, he needs to change his style to be more professional. Uh, but seeing how hard he worked and how teachable he was, I mean, he's such a teachable person. He listens to Sean George, our great trainer. I mean, every camp, 
gets he gets better and better and more tools are getting put in the toolbox and that's not supposed to happen for someone who's 40 but when he was turning pro at, you know when he was almost 30 we thought yeah he was he was late you know late uh uh to turn pro but um i'm sorry i forgot the, the question but I, I i saw i saw some good raw potential but like if you're a guy that big who's an athlete who can really whack um then uh I, you, you you know you have something there and you just got to kind of uh, avoid the landmines, you know, uh, but gosh, man, he's truly, truly improved to a level that, to be honest, I wouldn't have even expected uh, back then. Yeah. Um, with, with Jule Zhang, kind of, it, how hard has it been though? Uh, by the way, firstly, before I move on, am I saying it correctly or am I saying his name wrong? Because I feel like, because you're saying Zhang Jule, how, how, how should we pronounce his name? Both are correct. <laughs> you can say Jalei Zhang, uh, Zhang Jalei. If, if we were in uh, China, I would be Lane Terrence. That's how they would call me, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, but like it would, here, his his given name is Jalei. I call him Jalei, but um, Zhang Jalei, Jalei Zhang, e either one is. You're not wrong if you say either of those. So don't don't worry about that too much. Thank you. Um, so coming up, obviously, with Jalei Zhang, I'm, I'm assuming that it wasn't as uh, an easy rise compared to other Olympians that would have the sort of rise that they would have um, in boxing. Um, how was it trying to get sort of Gilead to that sort of world level? How was, how was the journey and sort of getting to that opportunity where you are now? Well, I, a big part of it was we were successful in getting them out of this ridiculous contract. And when I say them, there were other fighters involved in this project, but I'll, I'll try to keep it just to Gilead. Getting them out of this contract uh, with these not serious people um, who didn't treat him well, didn't promote him well. Uh, that was a big part of it. And again, that happened, uh, it officially was over in 2020. So we're talking like during the pandemic time here. Um, and then we went right into, you know, uh, shortly after there, kind of taking fights that we had some like stay busy fights, but like it, it was really the turning point I thought was the Hergovich fight because no one wanted to fight Philip Hergovich. We were ranked like, 13 in the IBF, Hergovich was like two, and it was like for this mandatory spot. This was in Saudi Arabia, it was in Jeddah in, in August of 2022. And I don't think there's a soul on this planet that thought Hergovich actually beat Jalei, but he got his hand, he got his hand raised, unfortunately. But that's when I think people truly saw uh, what we all see now. Like we, he's a really talented fighter and there's a lot of things he does he doesn't get uh, credit for. But again, he ran after that fight that no one wanted, performed well, didn't get the win, should have. Uh, and then he goes right into Joe Joyce. And we have to remember back in the, when Joe Joyce beat Joe Parker, everybody said, you're crazy for taking this fight. You're crazy for even winning this fight. So we go in from Hergovich, guy no one wants to fight, into Joe Joyce, who was like, maybe Tyson Fury is the only guy who can beat this guy. Like, but our trainer was like, that's the fight we want. We have the right style for it. I was sold on it after about a five minute conversation. And we went into the fight. You know, we're going to, to London, Joe's hometown, not only home country, hometown. We were supposed to be the B side. That was supposed to be. You know, we were the opponents. We were supposed to lose that fight. We knew differently. Uh, but it was. It was just the last three fights that he has. He's fighting guys no one else did, and he's. You know, he's showing what he can do. And by stopping Joyce twice, I think. You know, now he he's hit the scene. He's been he's been in the game for ten years now. But it really wasn't until those fights that people you know begin to see his world truly world class talent. Um, you see, after the, the Joyce fight. Um, what what were sort of like the options or like the routes you could have gone down like before making a Parker fight? You, you mean um, right after the second Joyce fight? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, listen, we we 
we knew that we knew that they're trying to make the undisputed. You were talking with our promoters. We shared the same promoters, Tyson Fury, mm. of course. So we knew they were trying to make the Usyk fight, but the fight we really wanted was Fury. And actually, it's kind of out there, but I'll refresh you guys. After the first Joe Joyce fight, we had sort of a understanding to fight Tyson Fury that July. But Joyce did have the option of enacting the rematch clause. And so we had to go with that, which, you know, he had every right to ask for that. So we, we, we pushed forward with the rematch clause. But we, we really wanted Fury. Um, that's the fight we wanted. Fury and Joshua, those are our top two, like almost 1A and 1B. Um, but, yeah, we to, to answer your question, it was, it was really interesting because the Riyadh season stuff started in October, I believe. And that's when, you know, Turkey Alashik put on these – amazingly special cards over there we knew that we were going to fight on either february or march they hadn't set the date yet but like all the all the fighters were kind of all fighting each other and we had some options and i could tell you some of the names but they just weren't exciting they just weren't you know they weren't exciting so we kind of rolled the dice to see what would happen and step back watch the december 23rd fight where like everybody fought on that show, right? Like who's going to win? Is, is Wilder going to win? Everybody thought Wilder was going to beat Parker. But just to see what shook out of that show, ultimately we said, we went back to our promoters and said, tell us Saudis, we, we would like to fight, you know, AJ is an option. You know, we'll happily do that. Uh, and Parker was, was an option and Wilder was an option. Um, uh, I don't think they wanted wilder back because obviously he, he lost they invested all this money to try to make uh uh aj and uh, and wilder in boxing nothing ever goes to plan ever yes uh and so parker's the spoiler there and we i thought that parker was taking a break but i think we just got our wires wires crossed and parker was in on the fight and it was kind of an easy fight to make did you find like sort of like after the joyce there's two joyce fights that like people were actively avoiding you more yeah, I think we were the boogeyman. I mean, I, I, I think, uh, I think, um, I think, I, I don't want to say anything disparaging because I, I have friends who are part of these teams, and I, I don't, I don't want to sound disrespectful to any boxer, but I, I we, we would have stayed with Matru if they could have given us the AJ fight, and that was after the Hergovich fight. We're t- this is before Joe Joyce. I don't think AJ is like rushing to fight us. Um, he, he just isn't. Um, but after those two fights, we are the boogeyman now. You know, he's he's a at the end of the day, Jalay is a a big punching southpaw who can box a little bit, got a little yeah. bit of hand speed. He can take a punch. People are seeing these other aspects of oh, here's just a big guy who can hit really hard. A lot more to it. Um, and I think as the, the more we fight, the harder it is to. <laughs> unfortunately, the harder it is, it will be to get these fights. But we are we have a piece of the title. We have the interim WBO title, and so that's going to get ordered um, eventually. You know, I think it's second in line in rotation behind the IBF. Did you, like, let me try and articulate this correctly, but did you, as a camp, or, like, feel a bit offended when, sort of, you were picked to, sort of, be, like, the name to be on Joe's, uh, to be on Joe Joyce's record as, like, the person that, like, he's been in order to get to, like, the next level? Well, I mean, look, we weren't really, we, we were treated so well. And I've always, it was my first time, like not only working in a fight in London, but like the, the UK fans are awesome. So like, we were just like, I don't want to say happy to be there, but we were really confident in what the result was going to be. So like, we did feel a little, like I, I'll give you a, what ex- I think the BBC has like a, uh, like a boxing podcast that they do. And yeah. they like, it w- they did a preview of the Joe Joyce fight. They didn't even mention Jalay by name. 
like it was as if <laughs> it was as if he was like Joe Joyce was going uh in on, in April fifteenth. He was going to go shadow box in the ring or something. Like it, it was like we weren't even there. Uh, it was it, the uh, you know the betting odds. It just no one gave us a chance. But so we felt a little a little bit of a chip on our shoulder. But we were pretty confident in in how it was going to play out. It was just a bad style matchup for Joe. Yeah. And he yeah. and his team are great guys. And he'll be back. He'll be back in the mix. I know he's got his fight coming up too. But um, yeah. I mean, we it, it just kind of was what it was. Did did the second fight result kind of surprise you? Because I, th- I don't think many people were expecting a one punch knockout from uh, Gilles Zhang. Like it was, like no one ex- like we saw obviously um, Joe's eye get messed up in the first fight, but um, in the second fight, the way he landed that right hook, it was just what a knockout it was. It was a contender for knockout of the year. It, yeah, um, I I wasn't that surprised because actually the way in Joe looked just so different. Um, he didn't look out of shape, but like he had the, the huge weight fluctuation where, do you remember how thin he was for the first fight? Yeah. Like, I, I was like, gosh, maybe he just looks a little chubbier on pictures. Or I, I don't know. But then he gained a lot of that weight back. Um, and he, he, he just didn't look that great at the weigh-in, uh, in my opinion. Again, nothing against him. This is just my take. So uh, I saw the first round as kind of a feel-out round. But then in the second round, Jalen really started tagging him with the left again. And I thought, man, it's it just kind of a matter of time. And then in the final seconds of the 30, he, he caught him with that right hook. I mean, it was such a crazy knockout. Watching it live, it was, it was shocking to a lot of people, not because they didn't think uh, Jalen wasn't going to win, but they didn't expect him to win in, in that fashion. And obviously, it would have done wonders for yeah. his uh, PR and his stock because a lot of people, especially in Britain, um, would have watch that fight and they were talking about it. Did you feel the kind of reception towards that after the um, knockout? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, it, it, it's just the calls that you get after. It, 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 I was actually kind of surprised because I, I, I again, felt strongly we were going to, we were going to repeat, you know, the, the victory at least. I mean, I, I, I wasn't predicting the knockout. I just wasn't surprised about the knockout, but like, I kind of thought, Oh, he just, he did what he already did. Like, what's the big deal here. But like after that knockout, it was so sensational was so, yeah, spectacular looking back on it now you know now now the bbc is calling us and they you know you know what i'm saying like and now the calls the reception after that knockout it, it i was like okay we're we're in a different place now we're in a different place now so it, it was great it was it was perhaps it was needed yeah thank you for that and look we've we've been talking about the history of gilet Zhang, and there's one more question i'm going to save for after um uh, this but the main thing we've come here for is obviously within in three weeks' time, Gilles Zhang will be taking on Joseph Parker to defend his WBO interim heavyweight champion. Just to go through a couple, um, tailor the tape. Obviously, Gilles Zhang is uh, twenty, sorry, twenty-six and one and one. He's got a seventy-eight percent knockout ratio, which is just insane. Um, and Joseph Parker, thirty-four and three, sixty-two percent knockout ratio. Um, this will be the first world champion that uh, Gilles Zhang faces, um, because obviously Joe Joyce was a former WBO. Uh, world champion and some of the wins that uh parker's got recently like deontay wilder andy ruiz um takam huey fury and chisora um it's it's probably gile zhang's best opponent to date but obviously there is that caveat of joseph parker did lose and get knocked out quite badly to joe joyce but still i think this joseph parker's probably better than that version that faced joe joyce um and some stats that i want to bring up because i did some research and look Stats aren't the sort of, they don't paint everything, but they give you kind of a good picture of mm. what 
what to expect. And this kind of surprised me when I um, researched it. So on CompuBox, because that's, that's kind of the only thing that boxing kind of has when it comes to recording the stats of punches. When it comes to the plus minus percentage, that means for how many more punches does a uh, fighter land than his opponents, Zhile Zhang's on plus 13. And out of the whole top 10 heavyweights, he's the leader. Like that's an insane <laughs> thing to happen. Obviously, a bit of it might be a bit conflated with those two fights with Joe Joyce, because Joe Joyce <laughs> is a bit <laughs> more of a hillable target. But that's still insane that he's the leader and his connect percentage which is um what's the percentage that he's connecting with all his the total of his punches is 37.4 percent again he's the leader in that so he's, he's in the lead he's in the lead for a lot of these stunts but this is the part that i think will stand out in this fight which is the power punches landed per round and the connect percentage where he's the leader or he's second so 10.6 power punches landed so that's like you know your hooks your straights your uppercuts um and the connect percentage is 46.9%. So out all the top 10 heavyweights in the world, Jile Zhang is the most accurate when it comes to landing his big shots. Um, and if you look at his power punches, the accuracy of it in the Joe Joyce and the Joe Joyce 2 fight, I mean, what a what a stat, 56%, 57% was showing you that yeah. he was really tagging Joe Joyce and he was really uh, stinking onto him. Some um, things that kind of go against him, not a lot, but it's still something to take into uh, consideration is... Uh, he, he the opponent does land on him quite a bit um mm. so 14 punches landed from the opponent per round which is he's leading in but when you watch his fights you understand why because he doesn't sort of yeah he, he tends to have a high guard and sometimes some punches yeah. will slip through sure. but and also his punches thrown per round is the lowest so he, he throws 31.3 mm. punches per round but when you punch like Zhile Zhang, I'm sure that you don't have to punch that many times. It's just that one shot. Like, what's your thoughts on right. sort of these stats? Before? Well, this is great. This is great data. Um, uh, you know, I, and this is the first time I'm seeing these. So, th thank you for bringing this up. I mean, I I, I do think uh, you'll probably see some more punch output this fight, more pressure, um, just based on some of the things. I won't say everything, but some of the things that he's been working on in the gym. But like, yeah, I I the, these these numbers don't surprise me. And like, I, I think you made a good point about he does have a, a, a decent chin. You can take a shot, but like he does have the high guard. It almost looks like he's like looking with binoculars. And when I see do when I see him doing that, I just see what he's looking at. I'm like, Oh, the other guy's in real trouble. Um, but uh, he, he does, he does take a couple of those shots, but I think you're going to see even, you know, I would be interested to see these stats again, updated after this fight and kind of mm -hmm. how, you know, it, it'll be really interesting to see. I'll, I'll put this graphic out on fight week and then after okay. the fight i'll look at okay. hopefully CompuBox um after their fight because they do regularly update their um their stats i'll, I'll mm -hmm. take a look and then i'll make an updated uh graphic on that just so because obviously we looked at uh Gilles Zhang's we'll also kind of compare it to um Joseph Parker's again I'm not a stats guy when it comes to like stats paints the whole picture but it gives you a good idea you know like it tells you con yeah. kind of what to expect so Joseph Parker um his his plus minus uh, percentage is minus 0.4 so it means 0.4 punches power because obviously he's had 37 fights so it's not going to be as okay yeah, yeah. Whole number, but he's 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 the, he's the second lowest on that he's got 28 percent connect ratio he's got 9.1 power punches landed per round uh 44 power punch connected which is his, his second so you can expect you've got first and second sort of coming up against each other with their power punch accuracy you can expect some big shots to um land and he's also got 10.3 opponent punches landed per round. So he's not the most defensive fighter. He is quite hittable. And he throws 43 punches per round. So again, he's not quite a leader in any of the stats, but he's got his own sort of um, 
problems that he kind of you, poses. You know, you, you mentioned earlier about Parker, even for the fights he hasn't won, he's been in there with like everybody. He's he's the younger fighter, but he's like the more seasoned veteran. I mean, he's been in there with everybody, but he's he's a smart fighter. It's He's one of those guys that being in the ring is kind of second nature. He's very economical and patient. And I mean, what Andy Lee has done with him has been pretty pretty remarkable. He, he's got this newfound momentum dominating performance against Wilder. So again, like it's funny that we're technically the co-main event on March 8th, but under any other circumstances, this would be yeah. a main event fight. Um, and uh, I, I think a lot of the kind of the, the, the hardcore pure boxing fans might even be looking forward to this fight a little more than even AJ and Gandhi, which I know is kind of a sensational spectacle. But um, I mean, this is, this is a legit heavyweight title fight against two world, uh, two world-class guys. Uh, as the co-main so i mean just these these events are amazing yeah after, after fury Usyk, you'd probably imagine that this is the second best heavyweight fight that you could possibly get um yeah and i think it must be exciting for zhang because obviously he's a fighter and he's fighting parker who's coming off probably his best performance against deontay wada so for him he probably obviously thinks he can beat parker but also take all that momentum that parker sort of has with him because obviously beating deontay wada is a big win that um did give him some momentum um, how, how has his mindset sort of been through this camp? Uh, very, very relaxed, very good. Um, uh, really excited, really looking forward to this. I mean, he, he's Jalei's the type of guy who, like I said, I, I referred to it earlier, his work ethic. He's always in the gym. We actually have to encourage him to take the, uh, the foot off the pedal when, you know, because we, we actually were considering fighting on that December uh, event, but he had just some wear and tear. And But again, you have to tell him, hey, stay out of the gym. But it, it, he's so focused. He's so in his own. And sometimes, you know, boxing never follows any rules. It, it, a 40-year-old fighter should not be improving, but somehow that's what's going on with him. And I see it every camp. Um, and so, look, I think you're going to see the best version of him. It continues to go in the, in the right direction. I, I, I actually don't think it's out there a lot, but I learned about it um, a few a few months ago. But uh, they Parker and Jaleigh fought in the amateurs. Jaleigh won the fight, but that was so long ago. I forget what tournament it was, but it was so long ago you can't really extract anything out of that. But um, they did; they've shared the ring before, you know, uh, it, some obscure international tournament somewhere. I know, like Gilles Zhang's, like, he, like we talk about his age a lot. I, I know, like he's he's forty, but I feel like when I feel like he hasn't has he doesn't have much mileage. So I don't necessarily feel like his fighting age is forty. If that makes sense, like you get some, you, you get some fighters that like. So, for instance, Deontay Wilder, I know he's 37, but he looks he he looks 37. Um, like he's right. had like a lot of wear and tear. Whereas I don't think Jile Zhang, like his fighting age is necessarily 40. So do you feel like um a lot of people sort of like use it as an excuse, like as a, like against him, like his age? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's kind of like, oh, I mean, look. He's a he's a high risk and maybe you could even say low reward fighter yeah. to face. So and people oh like if you beat a forty year old man you're supposed to do that you know yeah. so it does get used against him a bit but you're right Mark you're right because um, he doesn't have a lot of mileage on on him when you punch like that you're not going through these brutal fights over 10, 12 rounds uh, because you're, you're stopping your guys so much, right? Like you don't have these these brutal wars that he's been in and um, you know again heavyweights. The rules don't really apply to heavyweights that much too, because remember they're not cutting weight, which is really taxing on your body, and that's why, you know, the heavyweights just have a few more years left in them, where just that the process of that cutting of the weight and draining and dehydrating, not having to do that, 
that takes a toll, especially over years. Heavyweights don't have to do that. He's never had to make weight once. And, uh, you know, so again, he is the fresher, fresher, younger fighter in a lot of ways. His, like you said, if you could put like an age of a fighter on him, it's, it's not going to be what he really, it's not going to be 40. And obviously this is um, Zhang's second time fighting in Saudi Arabia because obviously the first time was against uh, Hergovic on the Usyk Joshua 2 undercard. Um, and Zhang's last two fights were in uh, Britain and then before in London. And then before that, it was in Saudi Arabia. So he's been a bit of a globe a road warrior, as you would say, in his last couple of fights. Um, does that kind of motivate him knowing that, like, look, I've had to come out of, you know, my show. I've had to come to that you know for example jojo's have to come to his home beat him up now i'm gonna have to go into saudi um <laughs> to fight uh joseph parker does that kind of motivate him because like Usyk did the same thing when he was coming up you know his his sort of cruiserweight to heavyweight run he was sort of going to everyone's uh home beating them and he said it was you know it was a motivation for him you know being able to take the belts back to his home so the same thing with zhang is that that motivation in there for him I, I do, I do think it motivates him a bit. I mean, he is kind of the, the road fighter. You know, I, actually, this is the first of the, of those three fights, Hergovic, two Joe Joyce fights. Both of those instances, we shared the same promoter. Um, so, and even in the rematch, we were defending champions with Joe Joyce. You know, we were the out of towner still. You know, we were the uh, oh Joe. You know, Joe Joyce is just going to correct what should have happened the first time, and everybody thought that Jalei was going to lose. And you know, of course, we felt differently, but. Um, it kind of it puts a little extra like I don't know uh, pep in your step to have to be traveling uh, uh, you know for these fights, but we are very much I guess I hate this term the A side this time, so it is a, it is a bit of a different dynamic. Can I ask um, your prediction for this fight? I think Jalei is going to stop Joe Parker in the mid rounds, so six seven somewhere around there. That that would be good because he'll be the second guy to stop Joseph yeah. Parker, which is, which is quite yeah. a big feat because obviously Joe Parker, uh, Joe, Joe Joyce did it, and then Anthony Joshua couldn't do it. So yeah, I I, I got to say this too. Uh, we respect the hell out of Joe Parker as a fighter. There's no looking past him. This is this is a big heavyweight fight. It is heavyweight boxing. Anything can happen. Uh, this is uh, we're excited, but there there's no bit at all of like uh well you know what's next after this nothing like that Naeem, what's your predictions yeah I th- i'm 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 leaning towards zhang just because i think joe like when joe parker faced wilder he showed some good boxing skills but against wilder he didn't he it wasn't to me like he was showing some elite boxing skills it wasn't like he was sort of this sort of usik cat type performance it was he was doing the basics and he was taking what he knew from the fury fights which was not to let him set not to let him um, come forward just always keeping him on the back foot um and and you could also kind of tell we were saying this um before um that wilder he kind of lost that fire and he kind of admitted admitted it in the uh post fight interview i think with Zhang, it's it's a bit of different because you've got a guy who can actually box who's, who's yeah. really good boxer. he's got that amateur amateur background doesn't always mean you're a good boxer but with Zhang, you can see it. he's got that amateur pedigree. It comes out in a lot of his fights, but he can also hit really hard. And I feel like Joe Parker is going to have to put on one of the best boxing performances if he's going to win it. Because I, I don't think he, I don't think he can stop Zhang. I don't think he's got the power to to, to really hurt Zhang. But I think we're going to see both guys really hit each other really hard. Like we're going to see because both guys can. The thing about Zhang is his. I think he's got the best combinations out of all of the top ten heavyweights. No one mixes his hands up the way Jile does. So I expect Jile to probably get the knockout as well. 
maybe later. I wouldn't say six, seven of the year, mm. but I, I think maybe like nine, ten, when Joe Parker sort of starts to slow down a bit more and Jang, because the one thing that comes up with Zhang's fights, you know, when people d discuss Jile Zhang fights is they go back to the Jerry Forrest fight, which, you know, yeah, he looked like yeah. an, a world champion in the first three rounds and then the other yeah. three he kind of de declined. But then you have to go into the context of it. He was suffering with a lot of uh, medical issues that came out afterwards. So I don't think his gas tank is bad, but I think the way he fights, like we saw, he doesn't punch that. He doesn't throw that many punches. He can maintain a consistent pace for 12 rounds. And I think, as the rounds go by, Joe Parker's not going to be able to zip in and out because he's not used to that style. There's another element too. I just want to throw out there again. I, I'm I'm just putting this in our column. And Joe Parker, the seasoned veteran, he's going to. I'm sure he and Andy are preparing for this. But uh, we only found one, maybe two southpaws that Parker fought. Um, um, and, and that's another element too. Like I mean, the angles of of the punches coming from Jang are just are just totally different. But all of uh, the pro high profile fights from Joseph Parker were against righties. He, there hasn't really been a. I guess it's kind of just us, a, a high profile lefty out there. You know, I, I guess Usyk switches, but um, it, that that's going to be, I think, difficult for Joe to deal with. But Joe does some really good and tricky, nuanced stuff that uh, we were. I just did. We did like a video session the other day, and. Sean, Sean was pointing out some stuff that I, I don't want to say what we know, yeah. but um, Joe, Joe does some really elite level world-class stuff that we, we're, we're going to have to deal with. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to throw it out there. I think, I think this fight goes a distance. Okay. Little, 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 little 10 quid side bet. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> you know what? Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to change my mind because um, you've got Terry, but, I did say I feel I feel like it's gonna go Parker points. I feel like it's gonna go Parker points, and I feel like it's gonna be quite a chess match. I don't think it's gonna be like a, a all out brawl. I think mm. it's gonna be like quite. I think they're gonna obviously they're obviously gonna like mix up at, at times, but I feel like it's gonna be a bit a bit pedestrian, sort of like like moments where we saw the Hergovic right. But I don't know. Like I feel mm. like I feel like Parker's on this this sort of like. He's on this like marathon run where sort of like yeah. he's got so much momentum. Like him and Andy Lee has have, have meshed really well. Mm. But I feel, uh, do you know, what? I, I'm I'm going back and <laughs> forth. But because I feel like Jilin Shang, he's massive. Like he's a mountain. Yeah. He's a mountain. And I don't feel like Parker likes the pressure. But I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm just gonna stick. I'm just gonna stick with Parker on points, man. Okay, oh, fair enough. Well, I mean, this—I mean, the fact that like the fight has this perception of being so close is great. It, yeah, it's great. I mean, it's—it's it's really look. Whoever wins this is right back in the mix of the top dogs. I mean, like, it, it, and it's just—it's just gonna be fun to be a, a heavyweight boxing fan. You know, you just—you just hope that we don't know what's gonna happen in May, but you just—I—I uh, would—I would think it's—it would maybe be a bad thing if uh, Fury and Usyk were tied up for like a year with all the rematch yeah. stuff. Like, but that—that that could happen, and, and that's something you have to be prepared for. But. Um, it's just exciting time in heavyweight boxing right now. Yeah, yeah. I would love for like Gide to have like a massive homecoming. I think he deserves it. To be fair, I feel like yeah. I feel like he's been underappreciated of, of like on the boxing scene, especially sort of like like um, Naeem said, like after the Forest fight, people were just like questioning whether he, like he was the real deal and whatnot. And yeah. It's a shame that like he had to beat up Joyce twice for people to actually realize he was actually quite good. Um, so I I do think like he deserves a homecoming. Yeah, we're working on that. I mean, uh, doing doing something in China uh, is, is is a top priority for us. But I mean, just right now, like uh, what's going on with Queensberry and the relationship with um, 
his excellency, Tariq Yalashik. I mean, it's, it's, it's something, and we talked about this a lot off the air, Naima, where I grew up where Vegas was the capital of yeah. boxing. And before that, it used to be New York City. And are we looking at a completely different era now where, you know, the Middle East, Saudi, um, places like this, or is, it, is this new Las Vegas? Is this where all the big fights are going to go? Maybe. Yeah, that's what I wanted to come on to. So perfectly segued. Um, how how's it been? Sort of because you've been working in boxing for quite a long time. How, how's the change been in the last year? Sort of working uh, with the Saudis. What do they do different, and what do they provide different to the sport? Well, they're not willing to spend more money, um, that, and that's <laughs> that, that's that's the way to to, to get things done. Um, really, uh, they're they're able to break the barriers of. Uh, it, some of the things they're doing, they're spending so much money, they're doing complete buyouts where they're owning the ancillary rights and the broadcast rights and the streaming rights of everything. So they can write such a large check that all the barriers of this network and uh, you know this promotional contract, it, it just with, with a large enough money, a large enough check, you can just make those problems just go away. And that's kind of what they've done. And I hope they st stick with it and they don't get sick of it. But like, um, uh, Turkey Alashik is a boxing fan, and he seems to be enjoying this. And look, I, I hope I hope this lasts for a bit because it's it's good for the fighters. But you got to think about all the other people it's trickling down to. I mean, the cut men are getting paid amazing, you know, money. Like, the, the strength and conditioning trainers who don't even go to the fights sometimes. Like everybody's it, 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 people are people are making good money, and I, I think that's a good thing for the athletes. Yeah, perfectly well said. And obviously, to end off, sort of our um interview you I, I know you've said multiple times that you're a boxing fan so i kind of want to get your take on what you think on certain fights so aj versus Ngannou, what do you what's your take on that who do you think what's your prediction for the love of god for, for the love of boxing aj please dump this bum <laughs> please dump this bum I'm, i i don't want to have this debate with my friends at bars anymore i just just like I, I don't know why tyson what was going on with that fight but aj please man just do your thing just just make us all look good do you, do you think it's a stain if AJ doesn't stop him? I do. I mean, I mean look, and uh, Ngannou, like, his story is amazing. This guy fighting in a ring is, like, no comparison of the pain and that he's experienced in his life. But, like, um, he's an MMA fighter, and I, I just think that AJ just needs to land, like, a couple really big combos, get the guy hurt, and finish him off. AJ should be able to do that. But, uh, God, man, please, AJ, just please make us all look good. For the love of boxing. For the love of boxing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the other super fight, Fury vs. Usyk. Just your quick prediction what you think could happen. Because obviously you know, we were meant to um, so. I, I do I do think that uh if if uh if Fury prepares properly, he I think his size should hold. And I, I do think that Usyk is vulnerable to the body. Um uh I look, I I'm I'm gonna lean a little bit towards Fury, but if Usyk just, you know, boxed his ears off i wouldn't be all that surprised either but I, i'm leaning towards fury and this one which in our group chat is quite a big uh, one as well better be a versus Bivol. i mean what, what are your I, I, pe people think i'm crazy i actually kind of like this is just my it, I, I don't ask me for an explanation it's just the gut feeling i think going Bivol Bivol. Win. Yeah, I knew Bivol. Going Bivol. yeah that's fair no that's fair. I, I've, I've personally I've, when i've looked at that fight because it's taken so long to happen i've always been like yeah. analyzing the fight. i, 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 I think always think better be stops him I don't even think that's like a mad decision to pick Bivol. Like I think Bivol's that good. Like he's literally that good. Like it wouldn't surprise me. So it's one of those pick and fights, isn't it? I don't think there's like a wrong answer. So I, no, no, I, yeah, it's I, I, I can't wait. Did they? Is it set set for June? I, I know that that's June seventeenth. I don't know. 
no just so, yeah it's, it's in i think june 1st but they haven't okay. announced it announced it but all the promotions right. are talking about it so i'm guessing they've sorted it they just haven't like you know how you said before the saudis kind of lead everything late they haven't yeah. set the sort of card because i don't think on its own it's a big enough fight in the casual sense for them to just market yeah. it on its own so they're, they're, they're looking at putting the 5v5 uh, matching versus queensbury card on that as well so mm, mm. We'll, hopefully by the time we get there they'll announce it and we'll, we get to see what's also on it yeah now well, that's one that we're all looking forward to for sure but uh, yeah i'm not exactly gonna make my largest bet <laughs> that i've ever made on this one because this is a damn close one to call okay and a last last question for me uh on the boxing side obviously you're a boxing promoter you're a boxing manager so you've got a good eye for boxing as well any prospects that you whether it's in the heavyweight division or any other division that you think people should keep a lookout on um who am i pretty hot on um i mean like th th these are no names i think jared anderson uh, th everybody th the u.s always has this thing where we need like our our american heavyweight and uh, deontay i don't know if he just lost it i don't know if he had an off night i, I don't know he, he 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 the sun might be setting on his era uh i I'm, I'm looking towards jared anderson but um i mean yeah yeah I, I, that's just the name that's coming to mind right now but uh, he's a heavyweight yeah, and his next fight's um, April 13th against Riyad yeah. Mahrez. That's going to be interesting to see. The, mm. I'm just a bit unsure because the way he talks about boxing, he doesn't seem like the most, the guy that's set on trying to be in boxing for too long. But you're right. In terms yeah, of skills. It's some weird weird interviews he's done. I, I don't know. God, hire a publicist or something, man. I mean, it, just, <laughs> it, just, it was weird. It's like, it like, what? But uh, yeah, no, there, there's always good young talent out there. There's always good young talent out there. But um, gosh, I'm kind of blanking on some some guys. But yeah, I, I guess Jared might be the guy, but he, long, long way to go and lots of prove. Yeah. Look, again, thank you so much, Terry, for uh, joining us. And for everyone Mark else. Naeem, yeah, thank you. And for everyone else listening, uh, if you're watching, please click subscribe, like, comment. Um, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars. Uh, and on Spotify, give us five stars. And like I said, we always bring you these special episodes. So we'll see you again next week. And again, thank you, Terry, for uh, joining us. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye. Have a good Sunday night. You too. Is it frustrating to train like you did and then have no, this in I, seven I or eight seconds? I only trained probably two weeks or three weeks for this fight. I had to bury my best friend and I dedicated this fight. I wasn't going to fight. I dedicated this fight to him. I was going to rip his heart out. I'm the best ever. I'm the most brutal in Michigan, most ruthless champion there's ever been. There's no one could stop me. Lynch is a conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never been anybody ruthless. I'm Sonny Lipton. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from their floor. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat his children. Praise be to Allah. Sports Social Podcast Network.